Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. Welcome. We'll start with the quote of the day. The moment one gives close attention to anything, even a blade of grass, it becomes a mysterious, awesome, indescribably magnificent world in itself. That was said by Henry Miller. Hello everyone, my name is Addie Hirshton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, teacher with the Indianapolis Art Center, author and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share folk tales and true stories about art and artists that I've collected as an art teacher, and I hope they are as inspiring to you as they are to me. So the story of the day is The Picture of Dorian Gray. This story was originally written by Oscar Wilde in 1891 as a short little novel. It's a fabulous read. Um, What I've done here is to condense it down into a shorter version. So, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Once upon a time, there was a handsome young man named Dorian Gray. He was asked by an artist to sit for a portrait painting because the artist admired his youthful beauty so much. When the artist was finished with the portrait, Dorian Gray looked at the painting. He became sad, realizing that the painting would look young forever, while he would slowly become old and gray. Dorian said to himself, Oh, I wish I could stay young forever, and that that portrait would get old instead. By some strange magic, Dorian's wish came true. Dorian soon realized that the portrait was aging and not himself. It aged especially fast whenever he did an evil deed, twisting the features of the face. The deformed face in the portrait reflected the image of Dorian's soul. Unfortunately, Dorian made more and more bad choices. No one believed that he was evil, however, because his face looked so young and innocent. The portrait became monstrous in appearance. Dorian hid the portrait in his attic so that no one would discover the secret to his prolonged youth. Dorian blamed the evil corruption of his soul on the painting. He decided to take revenge on the artist who created it by stabbing the painter to death. Then Dorian blackmailed another friend into destroying the body. This crime turned the figure in the painting into an even more grotesque form. Dorian tried to reform his actions. He longed to become a better person, but for selfish reasons. When he did something nice for someone else, he didn't perform the kind act to help that person, but to change the painting. The portrait remained the same. Tormented by the painting, Dorian decided to destroy it, using the same knife he had used to kill the artist. He went upstairs to the attic where he kept the painting. He stabbed it with the knife, and then doubled over in pain himself. The servants came running to the scene. When they heard Dorian's cries of pain, they forced the door open and found an aged, 
old, monstrous man dead on the floor, a knife in his stomach. Mysteriously, the painting reverted to its original form. An image of Dorian Gray, young and innocent. So, I love this story. Um, as I've said, you can read it, um, the original, by Oscar Wilde, written in 1891. It's a great little read. There's also um, several movies that have been made of it. I like the older movie um, that was made in, um, what, the 50s or 60s. Thoughts. Mm, so much we can gleam out of this story. I think it's about how inner beauty doesn't necessarily match the outer beauty of a person, right? Um, and we're often swayed by the appearance of things. And it's so important not to put too much stock in visual beauty. Now, when artists create work, it's often said that these images are reflections of their soul or inner consciousness. And if so, what does your artwork say about your inner thoughts and feelings? Now, Wilde considered himself to be an esthete. And that means somebody who loves beauty. And when he wrote this novella, I think he was questioning the importance of beauty and how we judge others. You know, he, he loved beauty, but I think he... It worried him how he put too much emphasis on it. And I'm going to tie this into a question that I received from a listener. If you want to submit a question, you can go to my website, which is azirfineart.com, and fill out a contact form, and I'd be happy to answer your questions. This person wrote in and they asked, how important is it to you that other people understand the art you make? Again, how important is it to you that other people understand the art you make? Now, often when I create art, I'm trying to communicate a message to the viewer. But I recognize that on another level, other people will never fully understand what it's like to be me. If I'm trying to express the nature of my inner soul as was reflected in Dorian Gray's painting, it would be impossible to expect other people to comprehend it. And it would be presumptuous for me to say that I fully understand another person just because I've seen their artwork. Okay, So often I have to remind myself to let go of the outcome of my artwork. I can't control how somebody else might interpret it. I can try by making an artist statement about each piece, but at the same time, I let that go. Another person's going to see something different in it, and that's just the way it is. And one thing I try to do is I envision that the pieces of art I create are like little babies. <laughs> and once they've fledged the nest, they are no longer mine. They are no longer mine. Having said all of this, I'd love to create artwork that is classic. And when I say classic, I don't mean the classical Greek and Roman time period or the style of music that we call classical. When I say I'd love to create work that's classic, I'm referring to the more broad definition that means having lasting significance or worth, making something that's enduring and will speak to people regardless of their time period. Um, by the way, 
being the geek that I am, I looked up the root of the word classic, and it's derived from Latin, uh, classicus, belonging to a class. And usually when we use classic, it's meaning belonging to the highest class of something. Okay? It's enduring. It's significant. It's worthy. So when artwork is classic, it's striking a chord with the viewer. It strikes a chord regardless of their culture or their time period. I can look at a sculpture that was made in 2nd century Rome, and in it I see a reflection of myself. I think the best work transcends short-lived time periods, and it resonates with the human experience. That 2nd century sculptor might have had another message behind his artwork that I'm not getting, but a harmony is created between myself and that sculptor when I view it. And that chord is what I strive for. This moment of understanding hits at what it's like to be human and that we are more alike than our differences. So, my thoughts are that I do want people to understand what I make, but I have to let it go. I'd love to strike a chord with people that's transcending our differences, but I know it's not always going to happen. <laughs> um, if you are very interested in how art might relate to the soul, I'm replacing our book recommendation of the day with a podcast recommendation. So this is another podcast that was made by an artist named Leslie Riley. It's called Art and Soul Radio. She actually ended it a couple years ago, but they do still do art and soul retreats, and they happen all over the country. I've not been to one, but I've heard that they are fabulous. And if you loved those ideas behind the picture of Dorian Gray, that art might reflect what's in our soul, she talks about that a lot. So, again, it's Art and Soul Radio Podcast with Leslie Riley. Highly recommend it. Upcoming events, be on the lookout for my book, The Alchemy of Art Stories for the Classroom. It is a collection of 50 folk tales and true stories for art educators to share aloud with their students. Many of the stories shared on this podcast can be found in the book, along with recommended resources and lesson plans. If you love this podcast and want to see it continue, support us by going to my website, azirfineart.com, and make a donation on the podcast page. Well, thanks, everyone. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.